We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indiana, home of Pacers basketball. Miller for three, and he got it. Legends have been born. Miller retreats to the three-point line and hits again. Memories have been made. Caliburn, a deep three for the lead. Great basketball has been played. Nembhard away. Hits the three and the buzzer. In 49 states. It's just basketball. Flips it to the big fella, fake, shoots, and But this, this is Indiana. And you're listening to Setting the Pace. Let's go! Your go-to Pacers podcast. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. We got paces hooping. Let's talk stats. Hot takes. All fast. New topics. Updates. Three pointers. Fast breaks. We keep scoring. We don't need to stop. New episodes. Weekly drops. This your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Setting like the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. What is going on, Pacer Nation? Happy Saturday to you. Welcome back to your go-to Pacers podcast, Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. I'm joined by Michael Fachi to talk about the Pacers. First game with Pascal Siakam. Fachi, how's it going? Things are good. Things could have been great, though. And it, it does, does hurt a little bit to pick up our second L against Portland. And we talked about how this road trip would go. It's like you might win a game that you don't expect, the Sacramento game, but you could lose one. That you don't expect to, and that was unfortunately Pascal Siakam's Pacers debut. When you get Tyrese Halliburton back, I didn't think a loss was going to come, but unfortunately, it did. You know, when I saw Tyrese was coming back, and I saw Pascal was playing, and I saw Nisa was coming back, I thought to myself, "We are going to get let down here." I just had a gut feeling before the game started because everybody was so excited. But then you got to remember Nisa coming back from injury, Halliburton coming back from injury, Pascal Siakam getting integrated into this offense, into this team, and, and how is he going to fit in? But that wasn't even the problem, Fachi. All those guys, for the most part, played pretty well. Miles Turner stepped yeah. up and had a massive game. Mm-hmm. It was the bench. The story of this game, to me, was the bench. It's true, though. I mean, this bench has been a strength for the Pacers all year. We talk about strength in numbers. 
you know, one of the highest scoring units in the NBA. I don't know what happened yesterday, but they did not show up. 14 points on it. We were talking about just before, I believe four of 24 four shooting. Four of 24, yep. Four of 24 shooting. It's honestly hard to get worse than that. But also turnovers. They had eight turnovers to just four assists. I mean, there were there were seven rebounds in total that came from the bench. You just really didn't get production anywhere. And that's been pretty surprising for a unit that's one of the best groups in the NBA across the board, no matter who it was. Coming off the bench did not produce last night. Yeah, the bench as a, as a whole shot 16.6% from the field. So that's just uh. never going to get it done. And <clears throat> We know we know that this Pacers team just had a great win in Sacramento the night before, and the guys that expended all that energy in that game pretty much made up the bench, and that's why I think part of that was a bit of a struggle. The Pacers now fall to 1-7, and seven, Fachi, on the second night of a back-to-back. They have struggled with that all season long. Not sure what the problem is, but they have, and I think that this is an opportunity for the Pacers to kind of reset a little bit. We know there's a lot of hype around Pascal Siakam. You kind of get that one out of the way. You get all that early, you know, that first day of school jitters type of uh, feeling out of the way, and you're ready just to start focusing and getting into more of a rhythm. Tyrese talked about it after the game with Chris Denary, Dustin Dopiriak, and those guys basically just saying, we're going we're gonna to be fine. We already saw things on the court that we like, but we're learning new terminology. We're learning, you know, how to fit with one another. It, it's going to take time when you incorporate a new player at the level of Pascal Siakam to your roster, but I mean, let's just take a moment and talk about Pascal's overall game here, Vachi. 21 yeah. points on 9 of 14 shooting, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, did get in foul trouble, played through the foul trouble, but was a plus 17 for the game. Plus 17 was uh, the highest of any pacer in this game. It was actually second best plus minus overall for any player uh, on both teams. So it was great to see Siakam, and, and like I said, look, it's unfortunate that, that an L came, but we also saw some really good things. Siakam looked very fluid with the ball for a big man. I felt like it was like, oh, wow, okay, this guy can dribble. That's great. We've known that he's a, a gifted passer you know, as a big. But also the mid-range shot. I mean, we know in the past Carl has not liked the mid-range. You're going to have to probably let Siakam shoot it because he had quite a few mid-range buckets. That was great to see. Obviously, if he's hitting them, hey, let him do it. If he's missing them, you could make an argument to say maybe that's not the best shot. But for Siakam, clearly that is a big part of his game that was awesome to see on display and when you're trying to get used to your teammates if your first game performance is 21 points on 9 14 shooting and you, you're the the highest plus minus i think we could be really excited about what's to come in the future yeah i thought it was funny because he made his first three baskets of the game and the first one mm-hmm. that he made was a pull-up jumper the next one was a corner three on a catch and shoot and the next one was a post up on a smaller guy and it just kind of showed you right there how versatile of a scorer pascal siakam is and I love the way that he plays. I think it's going to be a little bit different for the Pacers to kind of incorporate him into the offense compared to how the Knicks had to incorporate OG because OG's not a guy that really needs the ball. He's kind of a beneficiary of people, you know, passing him the ball, where, where Pascal's kind of a creator, a guy that needs the ball in his hands a little bit more. And that's fine. I think the Pacers needed somebody like that. It's just going to take a little bit more time. But we already saw the chemistry that he's, you know, starting to develop early on in the first game. Like you could just kind of feel throughout the game how he was getting more comfortable out there. One of the big adjustments, I think, was in the second half when they decided to put Aaron Neesmith on Malcolm Brogdon, and it did kind of eliminate some of that. And then whenever they ran a pick and roll with Jeremy Grant, now you can switch those two because Siakam's good enough and fast enough to stay in front of a slower point guard like a Brogdon. So it does just kind of 
give you a glimpse of the kind of defensive, uh, the, the the future of the defensive vers- uh, versatility you can have on this team. And that's what I'm excited about. You got a rim protector, Miles Turner, now that hopefully won't have to worry about sagging off and helping bad defense because he had five blocks tonight, and that that yeah. can help him get back to where he used to be. I, I love the performance by by Turner. That cannot be understated. I mean, 29 points, 12 boards, five blocks. You know, six of 10 from three. I mean, he 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 just produced, and you can see why a player like Siakam was so excited to play with Turner. Turner had 11 points in that fourth quarter, so. That was great to see. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, our big three now, Halliburton, um, Turner, Siakam, whatever order you want to put him in. Obviously, Siakam, you know, you put him in second. But, you know, regardless, uh, I think that Halliburton, in a performance, performance like this, it's so easy to breeze past that he had 21 points, 17 assists, mm-hmm. and zero turnovers. It's now something he's done six times. It, it's just like it, of, of 20, 15, and zero turnovers. It's like... We're getting spoiled by it. It's crazy. This is a guy who wasn't expected back. And this is what he delivers when he comes back. So I, I want to be able to try and say, look, you know, we're going to be all right because we are going to be fine. We're going to be fine. Losing to Portland twice, it doesn't make much sense. But what worried me, still some of the issues defensively. Obviously, hey, 118 points, you can live with that because things are way worse in the beginning of the year. But Jeremy Grant... Killed the Pacers once again, and so did Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon had a season-high 30 points. So you can't tell me this game didn't mean something to him. It obviously <laughs> did. And then Jeremy Grant, I felt like, look, when Siakam was guarding him at times, it was better than anyone else. But there was the Pacers had their struggles with Jeremy Grant, dropping 37 points the second time he scored at least 34 or more against the Pacers this year. Alex, it just feels like this guy's a Pacers killer. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jeremy Grant's tough, man. There's no doubt about it. I mean, the fact that the Pacers, and I, I even think Rick Carlisle mentioned it in the postgame press conference, like, we could have done a much better job getting more physical and aggressive with him early on. And I think they let Brogdon get going way too early. I they agree. had Buddy Hill trying to guard him at times. Tyrese was guarding him at times. It's like, you cannot do that. They only had two real scorers out there in, mm-hmm. in, in Grant and Brogdon. I think you should have put Siakam and Nismith on him to start the game. Hide Tyrese on Thibault like they were doing. Hide Buddy on on Walker because Walker really didn't do too much. Yeah, he did a pretty good job on the boards, but I think Buddy he Hill did. is a, a better a rebounder in terms of boxing out than people give him credit for. Uh, he might not always get the board, but he'll put a body on somebody. He's not afraid to use that uh, that body of his. So I, I felt like they could have done a better job in terms of just trying to change those matchups up early on. But it was really those two guys that killed us. And then I felt like even in the second quarter, Scoot Henderson, thankfully he didn't come back. In just eight minutes, he was four forward for 10 points. Like he was cooking the Pacers. And I was it like, was... oh man, he's making McConnell look bad out there. And this is one of those games where you kind of felt the size uh, a problem for, for TJ McConnell because Portland Trailblazers are a long team. They are really long. And that's what I think gave the Pacers problems earlier was just how much how much length they provide. And, and Chauncey Billups is a defensive-minded coach. We knew that. I mean, that's what he grew up playing most of the time. He was known for his defense. But Mr. Uh, was he Mr. Big Shot? Is that his nickname? He was. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. I mean, he, he was a good offense player, too. But I'm I'm just going to say, like, defensively, that's kind of what their Detroit Piston teams were known for. And so I think he's kind of implementing that. And that's really smart. I mean, they're a team that's really struggled, too. But they've had three in a row at home before they hit this four-game road trip. And I do think that for the Portland Trailblazers, that was really important to them because they knew four on the road is going to be tough. They got to take care of their home court. They just had a big win against Brooklyn. Pacers off the second night of a back-to-back. A lot of guys coming into the lineup that weren't there the previous game. It, it's, just, it's just a lot that happened here. Is a game they should have won, but I'm not like mad about it. Anybody that's taking no. a hot take is just being a little bit over the top. 
Exactly. Like, look, let's be honest. It is a bad loss. Anthony Simons was out. Shaden Sharp was out. Yeah. There's no excuse. It, it I wish was, they would have played them. I, I I mean, look, it was a bad. You just chalk it up as like just one of those games. There's going to be a few of them on the schedule. Like you, you can't make much sense of it. We beat Boston twice. We beat Milwaukee four times. 0-2 against Portland. It's just one of those things. It's like, okay, you know what? Hey, I don't think we have Portland on the, on the schedule again this year. Uh, so God. I think we're going to be all right. Exactly. I, I think it's going to be okay. You know what? It just hasn't worked out. But at the same point, there's a lot to still be excited about this team. You know, if that's what Siakam's debut was, hey, I let this man get chemistry with his teammates. I, I think that he could already see in game one, Halliburton having 17 assists. Yeah, you're going to get the ball. It's going to feel good. You're going to score. The bench is good. I don't think they could have played worse. They could only play better from here. Let's also get guys like Andrew Nemhard and Isaiah Jackson back. But if we want to talk about that a little bit, this was the first time that we, you know, obviously by seeing Pascal Siakam in the lineup, it was reduced play for Obi Toppin, just 11 minutes. Jalen Smith, just 14 minutes. Who do you want to start with here in terms of what the role might be uh, you know, affected moving forward? I mean, I think we could start with Obi Toppin. I mean, it's it's the new norm for Pascal Siakam is probably going to be around the 30 to 35-minute range. I don't know what exactly so. it's going to be. I don't think Rick Carlisle technically wanted to really wanted to play him as many minutes as he did last night just because he's trying to get him acclimated to it. But when you play as bad as Obi Toppin did in that bench unit, then you're going to need Pascal Siakam to play, you know, with five fouls for almost the entire fourth quarter. And that does kind of hurt his aggressiveness of what he can do defensively. So... I felt like that was a bit of a bummer. I thought Scott Foster had a terrible whistle last night on on Pascal, too. Like, that fifth foul was so, so dirty. Yeah. I was like, that's a, such a dumb foul. Like, you're not calling that on the other end. The inconsistency was driving me nuts. But Toppin, I mean, Toppin has been, you know, so, so random this year with his play. But I, I will say he was great against the, the, the Kings. He was like a plus 21, something like that, like the best plus minus on the team. Then he's a minus 16 in this game. So, he didn't really do much, didn't look assertive, wasn't really shooting the ball. I think he only ended up taking three shots. They were all from three, mm -hmm. couldn't hit. So it, it just yep. did not feel like a very good Obi Toppin game. And I think moving forward, Fachi, how do you feel about his long-term? Uh... I'm worried. Okay. I am worried. I'm just going to rip that Band-Aid right off. Feels like a couple of hairs got caught in it when I pulled it off because it, it ain't good. So here, here's the thing. Obi Toppin, this is the first game with – with Pascal Siakam. There was no Isaiah Jackson there. That complicates things a little bit more in terms of just minutes to go around. I know not necessarily playing the same position, but it's like this is not like this lineup was full and this is what happened. There was still Andrew Nemhar. There was still Isaiah Jackson out. Now you look at this. There's a massive, and I mean massive, log jam at the four now. Like the idea of even getting Jarris Walker any minutes feels even harder than it was before because Obi Toppin's going to struggle to get minutes. Jalen Smith's going to struggle to get minutes. And I don't think that Obi is the kind of guy that can really be effective playing 10 minutes per game. That's yeah. that's kind of similar to more of the role that he's playing in New York. So I do think, you know, with this trade deadline approaching in, in, in a couple of weeks, it's a little over two weeks from now, I, I feel that the Pacers have to heavily look at this and say, hey, what are we going to do over here? Do we make a move to kind of clean up this four spot over here? Maybe we can address uh, a different spot, but I just don't think Obi Toppin is going to be able to deliver productive minutes in just about 10 to at most 15 minutes per game. What's your thoughts? It'll be interesting. I don't want to, I don't want to make a hot take just based off of this game alone, but I do think yeah. that once the Pascal trade happened, 
I did feel like Obi Toppin was the outside on the outside looking in. He was he was the odd man out. So we'll see what happens with him. There's a lot of question marks moving forward with how the Pacers want to build this roster, knowing that they're going to be in a totally different spot financially with the max contract coming on the books for Tyrese Halliburton. What they offer Pascal Siakam will it be a five year max? Will it be a four year max? Will it be a max at all? What what will that agreement be to you know come to? But I think it's going to be a lot of money. And so you talk about that. You got Turner's. Big contract, you know, what What does that mean for Buddy Heal? What does it mean for Obi Top? There's a lot of questions they a lot have of questions. to ask. And we're going to have to kind of monitor that and get a little bit more into the weeds on on salary stuff because we haven't been – we haven't had to do that the last couple of years because their books have been squeaky clean, right? So I, I feel bad for Toppin. I mean, Toppin really came into this opportunity and, and didn't grab it. And Rick Carlisle clearly um, likes Obi Toppin as a professional, but – just felt like he wasn't providing what they needed. So they go to Jalen Smith. They go 10 and 3 when Jalen Smith starts, basically, or 10 and 2, or no, it was a 9 and 3, excuse me, because he did not start against the Wizards. So he was out for that game. But 9 and 3 when Jalen Smith started at the power forward. I just kind of felt like this is a team that found something with a bigger lineup. And they might even, I know this might sound crazy, but I could even see them potentially going Jalen and Isaiah playing together over Obi Toppin at some points if Obi Toppin continues to struggle uh, from the field. I mean, he's been he's been okay, but it's just like long-term, do you want to keep Jalen here? Do you want to keep Isaiah here? Do they fit together? Is that something you can do in the in the in your in your back in your uh, second unit? So I, I don't know. I, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but it's just it's just a weird thing. I just feel like somebody's gonna be the odd man out. I don't know who it could be. Maybe they maybe they consolidate and make a two for one type of trade to kind of sure up the rotation, but I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting. It is, and it feels like there's enough drama over here that it feels like a TV show. It's just like mm -hmm. there's so many players competing at the same spot, and it's like it's not just that they're competing. It's like you have hard decisions to make. Does Jalen Smith opt out on that player option? If he does, then maybe that paves the way to, to you know, give Obi Toppin a new deal. Or does Obi Toppin look for more money than you feel comfortable paying him? Because yeah. think about this. In the offseason – your point when you make that trade for Pascal Siakam, you are committing yourself to we are going to offer this man a max contract. He's not going to take less than a max. He's not going to want if if, it, if the difference is four years. That's all the Pacers are offering. That opens up him up to anyone else. Our advantage is being able to offer five years. If that's the case, how is there money left to, to bring Obi Toppin back on a new deal? without punting on the Jarris Walker pick. So you have yeah. a lot of tough decisions. I'm with you. I do think the Pacers need to strongly evaluate this at the trade deadline because you still got guys like Buddy Heald on expiring deal. You got Obi who needs to be paid, J uh, Jalen who could walk. And you and I, we, we've done a 180. Isaiah Jackson has played so well. He's under contract next year. I don't want to see him out of the rotation. I like what he brings. I, I yeah. think that Obviously, this comes with a minutes reduction, but I still feel like can we find Isaiah Jackson 10 minutes per night? Something like that. Something that I, I feel that would be beneficial. I just feel like guys like Obi Toppin can't impact the game as much in 10 minutes, especially if he's not consistently rebounding. And if he's not hitting shots, then that makes things a lot tougher. So uh, the Pacers have some decisions on their hands. I think Ben Shepard was the guy that you know played 10 minutes that you see falling out of the rotation once Nemhard's back in there. Um, and I'm excited for Nemhard to be able to return and be able to consistently be out there. Like we've talked about, it's been a lot of stop and go, stop and go. And I just want him to be able to get into a healthy rhythm because obviously the Pacers value Andrew Nemhard a lot and they want him out there. They don't want to move him by, by any means. And 
I'm excited about that, but I just want to be able to get this team finally healthy and a little bit cleaned up in the rotation. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and I think that you're going to see minutes come down for Buddy Hill. 36 minutes will not be the norm for so. Buddy Hill. Some of those minutes will go to Andrew Nimhart, I think. I think Neesmith around 28 feels about right. Maybe he comes down to 25. I, I would be kind of surprised if Turner plays 34 moving forward. I feel like he's mm, been closer yeah. to 30, 31. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, they needed him last night, and he was so good you couldn't keep him off the floor. But, you know, th- there's a lot of different question marks, and I think we're going to have to keep an eye on it, just how the Pacers want to build this roster. And I guess for me, my question for you what do you got? What position do you think the Pacers need to address next? See, yeah, that, that's the tough part is like, look, I, I think at point guard, you're good. You, you got point guards. Um, there's no need to trade for another point guard when you got it. Howell Burton, uh, Nemhard, and McConnell. Then at, at shooting guard, it depends really what you do with Buddy. Because if you trade Buddy, that, that it creates an opening. But I think that you're good at center. I think you're good at, at, uh, at point guard. I think at power forward, you're loaded. Right now, if you can find a good three outside of, you know, obviously you have Aaron E. Smith, but it, those are hard to find. They, they yeah. really are hard to find. So I think that it kind of depends who's the player that you move. 
Ideally, I think we clean up at the four spot, but if you move Buddy Heald, obviously that, that very much creates a, a need at that at two, three spot. Yeah, they, they need shooting now. You? I I really do feel that way. I mean, obviously Tyrese is a good shooter. Miles has shot the ball well, and I mean Pascal shot the ball well since the, like the last twenty plus games or whatever. So I'm not I'm not Neesmith. overly concerned. Neesmith, yeah, I'm not overly concerned about. It. I mean, Matherin's been pretty good for the year. He's just really streaky. Matherin's a very inconsistent player. O, o of eight. I mean, let's just talk about. It. I mean, that's it. Could have gotten worse. Like he was I, I bad. Feel he was awful. I mean, when you, when it you talk was about streaky. Awful. I mean, Matherin was great against the Kings. Like that. That, that was. That, that was awesome to see. I felt like that was him shouldering the load. I mean, 25 points. He does it, you know, 11 of 21 shooting. And then the next game comes out 0 of 8. I mean, against Portland. It was very surprising. And this was a game that we really needed Benedict Matherin because, you know, it's, it's a close game. One or two baskets here or there. A couple more free throws. It's a totally different game. If Matherin played, like, just half of, half of the game that he played last night in a good way. He went 2 of 8. I mean, it's a totally different game. I know, and that's that's what's annoying. So I I don't know. I was trying to find. I was tweeting about Matherin last night. I can't remember if I can find, I can't find my tweet right now. But basically, I was just like I wanted to say it was awful, but I said people are going to get mad at me if I say that. So I looked up awful, and I looked up synonyms for uh, awful, and it said uh, very unpleasant. <laughs> so I was like, that sounds nicer, so people won't get as mad at me. But that's kind of how I felt. Like it was just. You know, the bench mob wasn't there last night, and that's what I really think no. was the difference in the game for sure. I mean, you, you look at Portland's team. If you take away Jeremy Grant and Malcolm Brogdon, this team is not good. There's nothing there. Nope. They no, scored it would, 67 they would... of their 118 points. I mean, good grief. I, I know. I mean, it's like you just look at it. There's a lot of guys delivering three, four, or five points on that Portland team, but a, a few keys to them being able to win that game was points in the paint. 66 yeah. to 26 they dominated that's a team indiana I, I, I mean 26 points that's nothing yeah we should have brought that paint. up earlier yeah i mean look it's, it's a major difference portland also shoots 10 more free throws yeah they, they out rebound us too. they out rebound us by 10 and alex i mean this pacers team they were trigger happy from three they didn't shoot a bad percentage it's right around 40 percent but they had 27 three-point attempts at halftime they finished the game with 47 threes. Uh, so they shot 42.6%, which is a good percentage. But yeah. 47 threes, Portland played smart ball. They only actually attempted 12 threes. They played to their strengths, and that was clearly in the paint. And I just feel like they were able to rack up fouls. They were able to you know, get easy baskets down low, and uh, that worked for them. And unfortunately, uh, we were uh, very reliant on three-point ball last night. Yeah, I mean, the Pacers were 19 of 44 inside the arc. That's terrible. You cannot shoot below forty five percent and expect to win games like that inside the arc. And they and like you said, the points in the paint that showed you a lot of those twos were not coming inside the paint. They were they were coming around like the mid range or just weren't able to like they were just turning the ball over. It felt like a lot too. Yeah. I don't know. I know that the Pacers wouldn't end up finishing with fourteen turnovers. It didn't feel like uh, it felt like more than fourteen. I think they were just kind of sloppy with the basketball for the the majority of the night, uh, especially that second unit. I'm not trying to pick on them too much, but that's just what it felt like. I just felt like eight turnovers. Was, Came from the bench. Eight turnovers yeah. to four assists from the bench is like no, no matter what category you want to go with, it, it, the bench just did not perform. And it's just like, yeah, it, it's tough because look, it's a three point loss. I mean, the Pacers had an opportunity, you know, in this game towards the end, you know, Halliburton puts up a three and it doesn't go in. And that, that's fine because he's come through so many times. Yeah. But the backcourt violation by Neesmith was a big momentum breaker and killer because that could have changed yeah. the game. The missed free throws, I mean, Pascal Siakam, if you want to knock him for anything, two of two six. Two of six? That can't happen. I, I looked at it and I was like, I, I didn't think he was like this from 
from the free throw line. I mean, yeah. it, can the man go four of six? Like Tyrese something like that. Two. Tyrese yeah. missed two, which is un, uh, unlike him. So you think about that, that's four points right there. That's that's the difference in the game too. So, I mean, you you can blame it on the bench. You can blame it on this, that, and that. There, it was a collective effort for why the Pacers lost. They just – No doubt. I think, I think they overlooked Portland a little bit. Let's be honest. They had a 100%. huge win against Sacramento. Pascal's back. Everyone's thinking, all right, let's get this thing going. Let's get this thing uh, – another victory in the, in the win column. But, no, I mean, you can't overlook teams in the NBA. And like Rick Carlisle said, this Portland team – gives us problems and i and i hate to hear that because this is a really bad portland team it is but the thing is we talked about it earlier not to keep hitting the same point over but we saw the same thing happen with the orlando magic the orlando magic size completely disrupted the pacers portland size disrupted the pacers even with pascal siakam it is impacting the game negatively for indiana so they're going to have to figure out how to break down teams that have length like that and that can defend one through five because there really wasn't a bad defender on the court last night for the Trailblazers in that starting five. The Probably the worst one was DeAndre Ayton, but he's even quick enough that if he's out there on the perimeter, you know, he can hedge pretty well, recover pretty well. He just didn't shoot the ball well. He can't, you know, I was surprised he got to the game, was afraid he might got stuck on some ice, but yeah. Uh, just yep. um, but no, I just, to me, it's just like Portland, they're a weird team. They're a mad team. Nobody cares about Portland. I'm not trying to be mean, but it's just like, they beat our butt twice, and that sucks. No, it does. And you talk about that length. Portland had 11 blocks last night. I mean, 11 blocks. Think about it. We had six. Five of them came from Turner. So yeah. the 11 blocks was a collective effort. Um, but, you know, not to not to really take a shot at DeAndre Ayton. And anytime you say that, you are taking a shot at Ayton. But, you know, Turner outperformed him drastically last night. And that was something that I was like, whew, Really avoided like a max contract to DeAndre, and, and, yeah. and that feels good looking back now because look how the Pacers were able to spend those dollars. You yeah. know, you, you give Halliburton a max contract, you're you're looking at you know most likely or at least offering Pascal Siakam a max contract. So uh, everything worked out except for the, this. The, what's in the wind column? That's going to be fine. The Pacers are going to be all right. Twenty four and eighteen. They sit at. I still feel extremely excited about, about them, especially because. I feel like we're embarking on a new era of the season with Siakam and what could happen ahead. But I think that this is just like you talked about. They overlooked Portland. They've done this all year. You, you know, you look at a team that's below you in the standings, you say, ah, we're going to be all right. You know, hey, let's get hyped up. And they probably did think we got Siakam. Like, let's go on a tear. Let's do this. I hope this humbled them to be like, hey, we haven't arrived yet. We haven't. Let's get back to business. Let's handle things against the Phoenix team that, I think despite their record, everybody's still giving Phoenix their best shot because yeah. they know who's on that court. And I think the Pacers will get up for that game. I think they will respond. And it's nice to see that they're getting healthier. I'm going to call it now. The Pacers beat the Phoenix Suns, and the bench has a great game. The bench playing so bad in this game, I think they're going to come back and respond. We know how bad that Phoenix Suns bench is. It is not a very deep bench, and I think the Pacers can take advantage of it. You know, there are guys that can get hot and get going, but with Neesmith, with Siakam, I think that Getting healthy, that is going to be huge now. The only question is, will Tyrese Halliburton play in this game? Will he sit out before the last game, <laughs> before they come back home? I don't know. Hopefully he can play because I think they just need to get as many reps together as they can. And obviously every game that he misses is a game closer to him not getting all NBA. So that does play a huge factor in whether he will play or not. I think there's a reason why they were trying to get him back earlier than the end of the road trip. So yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye on all of that, but I, I'm excited to see what happens. They they start the first part of the year 24 and 17, Fachi, after beating the Kings. 
They're own one on the second half of the season. Let's see what this last 41 games looks like with Pascal Siakam. And one thing I'm really curious to see is does that record improve from 24 and 17, the last 41 games, can they take advantage of maybe a, a lighter schedule than what they just faced? Because January has been brutal. They still got some tough games ahead, but man, I, that month of February looks pretty, pretty good for the Pacers. Yeah, I am excited about that. And, I, and you know, hey, great point in terms of if Halliburton doesn't have time to waste. I mean, I, that was my initial <laughs> thought when he came back was like, it's got to be the, hey, look, there's probably going to be some designated games later in the season that they're going to plan on arresting him for. That, that's just what you do with a franchise player in today's, you know, NBA is like you're not going to play in all, you know, every game this year. There's going to be some that you're going to be resting for. So they want to factor those in. But one thing I want to point out, Pacers went three and two without Halliburton in the Good stretch. Point. That is a big difference than last year when the season went downhill and they lost 11 of 12. So great to be able to see that they were able to respond, uh, you know, without him. It shows this team is deeper, but also, you know, like I got my eye on if we make a move or not, don't want to do too much to shake up everything because you talked about it through 41 games. This was, this was a real solid Pacers team. So sometimes you don't have to do too much, um, but I, I do feel really good moving forward. Like you talked about, the bench could only go up from here. And Phoenix, I think that is a game that they're absolutely going to be, you know, amped up for. You hope Halliburton plays. You know, I, I don't know when, uh, I don't know what, what the status is for Isaiah Jackson, the concussion-like symptoms, or Andrew Nemhard in terms of when they're returning. But I do think that we might be able to see a Pacers roster at full strength very, very soon. And that has me excited. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how everything irons out there, Fachi. I'm excited to see. Nimhard get back into the fold, Isaiah Jackson back in the fold. It's going to be a big time uh, opportunity for the Pacers to play well. So we got about three minutes left before you have to go. Only thing I want to ask you, because there's been a lot of stuff that's happened since the Seahawks trade. John Hollinger reports that it was known around league circles that Bruce Brown was unhappy in Indiana. What were your thoughts on that? That was the first time that I'd heard that. I, mean, I would have thought that maybe something would have like snuck out there i think the pacers have always done a good job of keeping things internally but for bruce brown i mean maybe it was that he knew he was getting shopped around i don't know what he could have really been unhappy about he was a starter he was playing big minutes making the most money that he's ever made this at the end of the day this is a business it's not like he was uh seeing his minutes reduced he was playing nearly 30 minutes per night so i think that that's kind of interesting to hear i i was definitely a bit surprised uh what about you I, I, I don't know if I buy it, to be honest with you. What, what does John, to it? What what does John Hollinger know about the Pacers? I, I mean, I've never sure heard maybe him there comment some, on it. Yeah. Maybe there was some frustration. I know somebody tweeted at me and said, yeah, like there was a moment when, you know, Rick kind of called out the defense and in and, and the, and the media and Bruce was asked about it and Bruce was not really happy that he said something about it. I was like, okay, I mean, maybe that was it. But like, I don't feel like that would be the all – like the reason why he was so mad, maybe it was just because playing time or he wasn't fitting in as well as he thought he was. But I don't know. I, I think potentially just because the fact the Pacers were looking to make a trade for a while now and they had conversations about trading for OG and Pascal, maybe he was a little bit just upset that he just signed this big deal here and they were already looking to move him like two months in after they got up to a great start. So I don't know. I don't really care. He's not on the team anymore. I I like him for uh, I like him as a player. I think he's a good player. I was happy that he came here, but at the same time, overpaid role player, got us Pascal Siakam. Thank you for doing business with us. He was a uh, human trade exception. Hey, look, I, I'm thrilled for Bruce's contribution to the Pacers because I think we'll always look back 
and it'll be like a flash in the pan. Like, remember those like 40 games that Bruce Brown was on the Pacers for? You know, like it'll be like, like super quick of like, wow. But yes, he did lead to getting Pascal Siakam. And without Bruce Brown in there, it complicates a lot of things. A, obviously, Buddy Heald would have to be in there, and then you'd have to include another one of our you know younger players. Whatever it is, everything worked out. That man got his money. He made more this year than he had made in his whole entire NBA career. I just don't know what he could have been upset about when he still had a prominent role. If anything, he went from sixth man to starter. Um, yeah. But it, it's a it's it's a business. I, I just I don't know where he could have been that unhappy or how much truth there is to that. But in terms of getting called out for the defense, the defense has it was awful for for part of the year. And then they called like, out. Yeah, exactly. Like, what, what? What is this? This isn't like, uh, like a, a youth basketball camp or something. Like, this is the NBA, man. Like, you know, the defense have, have been atrocious. Yeah, for the Pacers. I mean, and to be honest, Bruce Brown wasn't really necessarily who we hoped he would be. He's a good, good player. Definitely, yeah. other teams will have interest in him. But for now, I, I think that hey, it's a business. We appreciate everything you did for the Pacers, and I wish him nothing but the best success moving forward. Definitely felt like a Tory Craig signing. You know, you bring him in here for a little bit and just didn't work out yep. like you maybe hoped it had. So you move on from that. But that that's all I'm going to say. Uh, it is my grandmother's birthday today. So oh! shout out Grandma Golden. I uh, just want to give her a happy birthday. Is living in Warsaw, Indiana. So way up north there, about two and a half hours from Indianapolis. So uh, she's not listening to this, but, you know, and she's not really on social media. But I just felt like I needed to do it since I just realized today is the 20th. So. Bachi, go ahead and tell people where they can find us at on social media as we wrap this up. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast. We can find all of our video content, our post-game recaps, and make sure you leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcast that would be greatly appreciated and if you guys are excited to see pascal siakam back in action against kevin durant and the phoenix suns and Fachi, hit me with those three words let's go pacers this is tyrese halliburton and you're listening to setting the pace Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.